I guess the first question for this Q&A is the one most obvious. Why wasn't Shimon Marciano, my brother Yehuda, Moshe Dov Shuren available and taking my position? I don't know, and the panel doesn't, doesn't know either. Um, the only reason I could think is for close to 30 years, um, I've had this close task, the Rashiva, all sorts of questions, and almost close to 30 years, I've been waiting for the Rav to have a break from his urgent Sashi Tzibor to answer any of my questions. So, <laughs> looking, uh, look, looking forward. The, there are no questions from the audience. Um, there have been on the website that people submitted questions, um, and we'll, we will go through them, and we'll start. The first question, I think that's um, perhaps a good, a good question to start with is, what advice would you tell the crowd if people have a question as they go through their business about a Cheshire Mishpat issue, about something to deal with, the Rebbe's, what, what should they be prepared to bring? How should they ask the question? Um, I believe that there are two issues when you bring a halacha question in Cheshire Mishpat to people. First of all, the complexity tends to be far more than uh, your day a question. And there's a second issue that is there's a bias that tends to influence a person to ask a question a certain way. You don't find that type of bias in a, your day a question. A person might have a certain interest, the animal should be kosher, etc. But, but the, the way in which we frame things and say things really make a difference. So, a person, if it's a really important question, heavy question, meaning there's a lot of money involved and issues, having somebody play devil's advocate with you so that the person says, is that really what happened? If you, a, per, a person can always be taken to best it. So, at the end of the day, a psak from a rav to an individual is not binding, but it's a guide to you not to be over Xaylor. Even if the other person is never Tovea, you also have a Chiv. If you really want to be sure that you're not being over on Zayla or Ribis or whatever it is, you need to run it through with somebody else who at least is familiar with business, and the person can sort of take the devil's advocate. Is that really what was said? Is that the standard? Because the answer you'll get is only as good as the question you ask. And you might feel you asked the question, you didn't ask the question, and the answer you got is totally not relevant to your case. The, the next question is, is almost a flip of that question. Unlike Basavachala, where a Rav will know the follow-up questions to ask, and perhaps unlike a medical question where a Rav can discuss with doctors, how does a Rav know what questions to ask if they're not familiar with the context of the transaction, the marketplace standards, or the civil law that's involved? Before I try to answer the question, I just first would like to thank the Aguda and the Rebariel uh, Sadwin for making this wonderful, wonderful kennis together. It's a Meridik Kiddush Hashem. I'm a little of a troublemaker here. Um, Rebariel spoke to me not so long ago and was thinking of possibly making a siyam and serving a sumptuous fleshic meal. Uh, 
and and I, I told him, I pleaded with him, don't do it. And he says, you're allowed to do it. You know, so I, I told him that there's, you know, there's a halacha and there's a spirit of a halacha. And the, the, the language in the Rosh, the Rosh brings the Yerushalmi, Kedayu Beisolokeinu, you know, Livko Yisolov and to be Shoachas. The halachas of, of the Ben Amitzorim are not just halachas, pure dry halachas. The spirit of the halacha here when it comes to the Ben Amitzorim is really the halacha itself. And to find a legal loophole for something is just not appropriate. It just defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to, to accomplish in these days. Uh, there's a kennis of 300 choshev balabatim. I'm wearing my weekday suit, my weekday hat, a weekday tie. Uh, you know, it's more appropriate really to dress differently. But there's, we're saying something, and, and, and it's something, it's a sentiment that needs to stay with the people and understand what it is. When it comes to, when it comes to, in Yonim of Cheshemishba, it's the same. There are halachas, and, but there's a spirit of emes and yosha. There's emes and yosha, and, and, and it's something that can't leave us. Uh, you know, Chazal say in the Gemara that uh, the Churban Abayas came about because shehemidu divreim al-din Torah. They didn't go lefnim mishur sadim. Shehemidu divreim al-din Torah, which is, it's, it, hard to understand. That's why the Churban Abayis comes about that they didn't go lifnim mishuras hadin in their relationships with others. It's, they went uh, I want to know what the halacha is. But if you're asking, the Goin says, if you're asking the Rabbani Shalom uh, have rachmanis on us. We're not deserving but have rachmanis on us the one that has a right to ask the Rabbani Shalom for that is somebody that has Rachmanus on, on his friend and so on his neighbor and on his, his peer and on his spouse and his children. Then you have a right to do that and ask the Rabbani Shalom to have Rachmanus on Klal Yisrael. So I'm just saying that the, the spirit of, there's a spirit of a halacha and then there's Emes and, and, and there's Yosher. There's Yosher, there's a Yashur a person has to have. I just want to say, first of all, you know, the, the question was about answering some questions like this that you have very little, um, you have very little knowledge of, business knowledge of it. Sometimes you shouldn't answer that question. Who says you should answer the question? You know, sometimes a rub, you tell them to go to another rub who has a lot of experience, who has a lot of experience with this. But I, I just want to say, it was last week, that somebody asked me a question, and I think that this is something that uh, is something that's very revealing, you know. And this is something that happens. It happens with a lot of people where parents get older, and uh, they're not able to take care of themselves that well anymore, and they move in with a child, and they move in with a child, and. Um, that their house is not big enough, so they add on to the house. The parents give some money to add on to the child's house. 
which means that the child's home became more valuable, a lot more valuable. And now, what's going to happen What happens That revach, your house might have been worth, uh, let's say, $350,000, and now it's worth $500,000 because there's an addition to the house. Who does that belong to? There's a legal Hashem Mishpat question, but some questions need not be asked. They need not be asked. Here, these children were nice enough and, and good enough to take care of their elderly parents, and, and, and it was years of their taking care of their parents, and now you have a time in din, you know, but the money belongs to the parents legally, and if it belonged to the parents, you don't have a right, you know, and we have to share it equally. It's just not a way. It's not a way. You know, maybe there's emis there, but it's just not yoyster. There's no spirit. But I wanted to know what they, what lawyers do. You know, I called up a rub who deals very much in dinatayres and in, in dinam of chayshamishbat, and I called a lawyer who is an estate lawyer. I wanted to know what what is usually the practice in, in situations like that. And he also told me the same thing. You know, mostly. It's understood. If, if the parents do that, you know, then okay, they have a rebach, but they have a rebach because they took care of their parents and they were nice enough to take care of the parents. But to say, to go according to the Shulchan you can't do that sometimes. There, there has to be uh, a yashus and an adibas alev when it comes to these things, and it's all important. I'd, I'd like to add an akuda. Um, we find in the Gemara that Rav spent 18 months with a shepherd in order to learn the, what's a mum kavua, what's a mumoiva on animals. Um, some Seifet says he, he, he used to have a box of different parts of the human body that he used when he learned halachas with his, with his Talmidim that were being Isaac Rabbanis. So he would demonstrate and explain exactly everything based on that. As society becomes more complex, we do have an issue, A, our yeshivas are yeshivas, they're not rabbinical seminaries, they don't, uh, they're not, they, we don't believe in the track and the, you know, of producing rabbis as such. Um, on the other hand, there's a lot of complexity. I know that in, in there is, I, I know Lakewood, they have a group of from therapists that have a shiurim because mental health issues are today coming to the fore. There's a lot of professional work and a lot of it interacts with halacha and you have to be familiar with what the mitzvah is. The halacha is you can't pass the mishpat if you haven't had shimush, if you haven't said nintairis. It is, there is room over here and maybe it's being done. I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the lemaise of it. Because of Baruch Hashem, on the one hand, Ashadarah, people ask questions in Allah and Cheshmish, but they know that there's a Shoharach, and business has become extremely complex. There's room for someone who wants to go into this to, to develop some sort of um, learning from people who know what the main Nakudas are and present it in a way that can use it. There is a mockum for that. It, it might be done. I don't know. Rabbi Marburg was here before. I, I'm not, I don't know the, the, the the people involved in the but it's something that 
has precedent in the Gemara, has precedent in, 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 in some Seifa, that people who want to be Isaac and Atchum need to find a way to learn about the practical parts of it. You could start a, a publishing firm like Aisho Publications, and you'll see the business. You'll, you'll learn. Um, I should just, as Akdama, just to say that a lot of this, the, um, the sessions that were today were dealing with practical halacha. I think the goal here with some of these questions, even if they're particular Cheshemishba questions, is to get more of the ashkafa and the more of the, the reasoning behind them. So some of these questions will have details, but I think as for the benefit of the Tzibor, that will also, you know, some of them are asking for broader questions. Um, so this is um, a good example. Can a person take a better job if it means he'll miss mincha with a minion during the winter? Or can a person choose to take a less time-consuming, a stressful job if as, as a result he can't pay as much tuition um, and in general will have, will have less of a parnasa? The, the question first was uh, a real uh, Can a person take a better job, and it means that he won't be able to dive in mincha with a minion during the winter? Uh, either the boss won't let him go out, or there's just no minion uh, where available in the place that he in the place that he works. Alpidin, you know, it's not a shaila; it's mutter alpidin. There's no suffolk in, in, in halacha that it's mutter. You know, we try to daven tefillah b'tzibur, and uh, and it's something that is I can't tell you how important it is. But you know, when a person, most of us, uh, I would say a, a great majority of us are struggling financially, and uh, doing something for your family. I'm not talking about becoming a, a wealthy man, but doing something for your family. Uh, to augment your parnasa and have a, a, a better parnasa than you did here is a dover chashev. It's a dover chashev ma'ayim. And you're doing something, you're doing something. It's not just money versus a minion. When, when, when a person has a better parnasa, uh, there's not as much pressure on the family, there's not as much stress on the family, and usually I'm talking about spouses, and those less pressure alleviates a lot of problems at home. So it's not just a question of, you know, a minion and not a minion. Uh, when a person, obviously, uh, I, I say again, you should try to do everything when it comes to, when, when it comes to a minion. And, and it, you should try to do everything to be able to pay your tuition and to be able to pay full tuition if you're able to. But again, you know, should a person, um, not have that stressful of a job and and therefore his salary is not going to be the same as if he would have a more stressful job I, I think without any question that, that it's a right thing to do it's a right thing to do because his health, his family is going to be a healthier family and if, if he, he's not under stress he comes home at night you know he can come home just uh, more calm and uh, be a better husband, be a better father, and just be a better person to whoever it is that he deals with. If he's always under stress, you know it's different, how different it is. Is that taking advantage of a shiva? It's not, or a Yaakov? It's not. 
that's that's life, and he's allowed to live, and he's allowed to live the way he should live. And living with less stress is, without any question, uh, something that uh, should be. And and okay, just like a person who doesn't have the greatest parnasa, the schools and the yeshivas understand, and you work with them together, it's the same thing in this situation. I'd like to add something. Uh, I guess the other side of the equation, and like almost all decisions in life, uh, uh, real issues have two sides, and a person has to weigh one against the other. Um, Rav Hafa spoke about someone who's straining, and like I said, most of us make ends meet. It's difficult, it's very expensive, but I'd like to flesh out a second half. Um, Rav Chaim Shemlevitz used to say in the Shmuz the following. It says that um, Yaakov bought the Bechayra for Nezir Adashim, and he asked the question, it's a Mechatos. I mean, it's a, it's a Mechatos. So, Reb Chaim answered the following. He said, there are things that have a Shavius in the Shuk. The market value for a gallon of gas is posted up on signs, and it's between this and this. And there, there's very clear Gedarim of Mechatos, or no, etc., there are things that have no market value, but have sentimental value. Uh, a picture that I got from my late great-great-grandfather that's very precious to me. To me, it's worth a million dollars. I can't make that an objective value. If I'm looking to sell it for $10, that's its value. So Reb Chaim said, if Esau was willing to sell it for Nizir Adashim, that's what the Bechir is worth for Esau. And it's his real value. So Chaim would say, why does a person close a Gemara? If a person closes a Gemara because he wants an extra donut, then his learning is worth a donut. If he closes a Gemara because he needs bread, then his learning is worth nefashis. That was the way he put it. There are different, there are different gradations and everybody, it's, it's normal and it's right that a person aspires to be as successful as he can be. It's, it's their haolom and it's appropriate. But at some point, a person needs to weigh his, the value of his ruchnias versus that. And, and it's a long continuum from the places where you push it, have a little more breathing space, to the places where you feel successful. And then you have to weigh success to success. So, so there is this, this um, it's a chajma nefesh. Chajma nefesh stretches from one end to the other end. From having a normal matzav makes a healthier family, healthier learning and so on, to the other extreme of, of a person seeing success in that. Th- that's really a, a, a chajma nefesh a person needs to make on, on the entire gamut of, of opportunities and challenges. The next question is a multi-part question. Should someone who previously engaged in serious and public financial wrongdoing be given leadership roles within the Tibor? And if not, is there a process of tshuva? Are there any common aspects to what would be required or is it always particular to the specific case? I'd like to 
start answering this question with, with a question. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rabbeinu Shlelem, didn't let Moshe Rabbeinu go into Eretz Yisrael. Yan lo hemantibi lahatisheni. The Torah says, didn't Moshe Rabbeinu do tshuva? Whatever the Avera was, but he did tshuva. Obviously, I mean, who would think that he didn't do tshuva? So, and, and, and the Doinus is Nasa Kezokhiyot. He did tshuva. So, why, why could Moshe Rabbeinu not go into Eretz Yisrael? I'm asking you a very good question. The Drosha Saran says something that is, is just, it's, he understands that the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go into Eretz Yisrael was because he referred to Klal Yisrael, he called them Shimon HaMairam, listen to you, you know, you rebellious children. Uh, he was mezalzel in the covet of Klal Yisrael. He was mezalzel in their covet. So, certainly, the Rabbi Shalom accepted his tshuva. But there was a point that was made, that needed to be made to Klal Yisrael. Do you know who you are in the eyes of the Rabbi Shalom? Do you know the chshivas that you have in the eyes of the Rabbi Shalom? The Rabbi Shalom doesn't allow me to go into Eretz Yisrael. The greatest tragedy of my life that I can't go into Eretz Yisrael is because I was mezalzel in your covet. You're vased ben yozen. Do you know who you are in the eyes of the Rabbani Shalom? That, that's what, I, I'm just saying it drushes around. So, a, a person did something, he did something that, um, you know, he, he did something that was highly improper, and, and, and it's known in the community, and in this case, a financial wrongdoing. And, and then the question is, should he be given the same honor as he was before. And can we, can we give him the same honor? Isn't there such a thing as tshuva? Without any question. And in the eyes of the Rabbani Shalom, he, he has tshuva. If he did a, a genuine tshuva, then he has tshuva. That's not what the issue is. The issue is, you know, people don't know what goes on in, in somebody's heart. And although if somebody was a Goslin and the best in Paskin that he did tshuva, he returned the Zayla and he did what it says in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, and he's kosherly aides, but you don't give him shlishi, you don't give him shishi, only because it, it, it leaves a message to the people. You know, you can do whatever you want to, but at the end of the day, if you have money or if you have power or prominence or so, you'll go back to where you were. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous to a community, you know, to, to feel that way. I, I, I still remember, I'm using a different example, but I got into a lot of trouble because of this. There was somebody who did something highly, you know, he was very, he was unfaithful in his marriage. And it became a public knowledge and 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 you know, they were divorced. The, the, the couple were divorced. And he was a prominent man in the community. And, and I pleaded with, 
you know, the places that are him that where he was, that he was in, he can't go back. He can't go back to where he was before. What kind of security are you giving women? And, and you're telling them somebody can do whatever he wants to, and then, you know, knock them, you know, he's going to get shishi again. You, you just can't do that. Where is the security that they have and they feel that we're being taken care of when somebody does something that's improper? It's the same thing when it comes to dinner moments. And if somebody doesn't lead a life like that, we, you, you can be his friend without any question and, 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 and engage him and, and be friendly with him. And he's part of the shul, he's part of whatever, the institutions. But to stand at the helm of the institution it means that there's a message that you're sending, and it's the wrong message. It's a very powerful. It doesn't need any addition to that. But I would like to make a point regarding these type of vinyanim. Baruch Hashem, Baltimore is fortunate. It's probably the largest community that still has a sense of community. Uh, a Rav and his kahila, the Rabbanim together, Unfortunately, when you start getting to bigger cities, it becomes uh, a Hefkevelt. A public issue should, like this, for instance, it's not a clear shulcha'aruch. It's something which is a judgment call. What the person did, how wrong, what are circumstances, how much did Tzibba need him, how much could people learn. You get people like vigilante action, where a Rav will set down a policy, a Rav or a Shashiva, a leader of a community, and people will be very, very vocal and make a balagan. It's wrong. If anything is wrong, it's that, because, so if you feel it's such a terrible thing that you can't be part of this community, then the Harishus and Achayiv is to go move on to another community. But this is a decision, it, it, it's, it's, it's a Achras Adas, and it's not totally in every single person how you feel about it. If you really feel that this Hanhaga was so bad that you can be part of this community, so move. But, but the idea that everybody becomes a balabas to discuss, to say his opinion, I don't understand how the Rav could do this, or could the Rav not do. How could be such a rush and not let him in? How could he let him be head of community when he's this? Do you think that this question wasn't agonized? It's also a lot of these things you, you can't it, it, you, can't, you can't discuss it publicly on Shalashudis, all the details and so on that went into a decision. So it's something that we need to um, respect communal leadership. We, we need to aspire to communal leadership and belong to a tzibur where we feel comfortable that the person making decisions has these values in mind and has made a decision. And we need to learn to act as a tzibur, where the manhigat tzibur is the one who... And, and Baruch Hashem, Baltimore is, is, is most fortunate that for a tzibur so large, they're able to still have that sense of, of, of kohol and tzibur and so on. Thank you. In a Jewish-owned office business, where most employees are from, but 10 to 15% of the employees are not, what sort of kashras policies should be implemented, if any, for the company, for its kitchen, its microwave, etc. Putting up signs, restricting food can alienate others, making it hard to retain them as talent. I, 
I think if uh, if a company is uh, owned by a Frumayid, then even if he has Goyim, and uh, maybe according to the din, it would be mutter for him to give them things that are referred to as mamish macholas asuras, it's just not an appropriate thing. Um, you know, things can get mixed up, and you never know how, how things happen. Um, it's a Jewish company, and, and the people, th- there's no chil Hashem by saying that this is a Jewish company and we serve kosher. Now, I, I'm not saying that you have to serve, um, that you have to serve, you know, the pretzels that you serve, uh, the, the, there are pretzels and, the, and there are pretzels, some th- certain things, pretzels, I, I I want to be very careful. Pretzels need a hashgacha, but but they usually are not very great. You know, they're just not. You know, I'm talking about. So an alechayid is medagdik in what goes into his mouth, and and that's the way it's supposed to be. And when something is precious to you, you, you take care of it. But so. You have to see to it that problems don't arise. But I, I just would like to talk about the, the, the question itself, which is sort of alluding to that uh, that there's a little of a chil Hashem here if we're treating the goyim differently, and you know, meaning to say that we're not taking their uh, needs into consideration. It, it, it's not so. It, it, it's a Jewish company, and a Jewish company wants to abide by by our laws. And and if you're nice, if the employer, if the owner of the company, and uh, you know whichever, however the com- company is run, they are mentioned and they treat their employees nice. That this is a Jewish company is a kiddush Hashem. That we do things according to the halacha. You you know all of us. No, there's, uh, you know, the big company in, in, in New York that does business, the, the camera company that does business over Shabbos, and their website is closed on Shabbos. Uh, okay, it maybe doesn't have to be, and maybe they could find a mockum for, you know, to do it, uh, to make it out. It, it doesn't make a difference. We are a firm company, and we're going to abide by the halacha, and that's a mishra that you get the shashem. I'm just thinking right now as we're, we're talking, uh, I, I still remember, maybe for many of you it was before when you were kids or before you were born, but uh, somebody once showed me on, on the front page of the New York Times, th- there was uh, a General Mofaz, I, I don't know if any of you know him, he, he, was, uh, he was the Ramat Kal, he was chief of staff and I think he became uh, he, he became defense minister in one of the governments. He came to Washington and he was meeting Reagan and there was a, the President Reagan and there was a picture there of him, you know, greeting, they, greeting each other. And he had uh, this little beard. And they wrote, this is on the front page of New York Times, that he's in mourning for his father. So he didn't look so good. It didn't look good. And, and it, not looking good as a Hashem. It was such a Kiddush Hashem that a person is willing to visit the most powerful man in the country, at, in the world at the time, 
and 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 looked like a, you know a you know a batlin or whatever you want to call it. He's in mourning for his father, and it, it was wonderful. It was just such a wonderful thing to see. Uh, it made me, I, I can't tell you, it made me proud, you know, it, it was a wonderful thing. And so a person doesn't have to hide that this is a Jewish company and it's Jewishly owned if it's, if it's run the way a, company, a Jewish company should be run with heart and, you know, with feeling, treating your employees right. So if there are laws of cashes, there are laws of cashes. It's, it's murder. I would just add a small nakuda. Um, it's helpful in these situations where you make a rule and regulation, for instance, if there's a central kitchen and the from Elohim is not allowed to bring their own food, but this person, because he's not a he can't, it obviously creates something. If you make a rule, no outside food in, the rabbi, it's under uh, some rabbinic organization certification, and no outside food in. So, I'm like you. So, okay, it, 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 you can't have the food you want, but, but it takes off the edge of me being better than you. A lot of times a small psychological twist like that will make all the difference between, okay, these are rules and regulations, that's it, to feeling that they don't trust me and the theory or whatever it is. And, well, as I mentioned in the beginning, Rashiva has a Zoom share, which was a previous obligation. So I'll be fitting for this conference if we actually kept our deal and... Uh, <laughs> And, and cut it off. So. I, I want to say it's 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 very very inspiring to see. It's a dirt. It's mevakish. Not when I was growing up, the, the only halachas that people asked questions on were avedos. You probably remember that. I have, uh, you know, the, you know, as to quote one of my our talmidim who was a um, he, he works in a geisha firm and he said, you know, in yeshiva was a knapper macha. Here I'm, I'm the chief rabbi. And he imitates the questions he gets. How much shiver do I sit on my door, Rabbi? That's the, so that was the Shiles in those days. Baruch Hashem, we went on to, 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 to Archaim, we went on to Yerdea. People today, yes, Shiles and all Chalki are dead. You wouldn't expect them. And, and Baruch Hashem, the people think about these things, and, and like I've half expressed so eloquently, not only the halacha specific din of Chashemish, but what's the ruach of Yashos, what's the ruach of Emes, um, it says that when Zvulun was, it, it says, um, it, it was, I forgot the Lashon Pasuk that when people did business with Zvulun, they said, if we came here, let's look at what their religion's like. They would come to Beis Hamikdash. They'd been Karbanis. They'd been Iskayer. For most people in the outside world, you are the ambassadors of, of Yiddishkeit. We're not looking to be Megayer people, but but the, the Kiddush Hashem Echayim says that when they come to contact with you, it's dignified, menschlich, yashristik, erlich. Zvulin is is the is the bridge that brings the outsiders from across the ocean to eventually see the Beis and see and see the beauty of Yisachar. And we should we should all be nisalim Hashem. Thank you very much. Thank you to the Rav and to Rashiva. This is like a, uh, an encore presentation. Um, so I, I, the, the Rav does have time for one more question. Um, so we'll, we'll try to do it and then he has to get, um, get going. Un, under an employer, one of my friends was constantly reminded by his boss that the boss prefers texting and he expects my friend to be available doing both working and non-working hours. 
with the expectation of immediate responses. This position has brought tremendous stress on him and his family. Now that I have my own business, how does one manage the Amuna that a Baruch Hu provides and not to have to micromanage my employees? Or perhaps I should micromanage them and they should have to figure out how to deal with the stress themselves. the outset, I, I meant to say something, and I just would like to maybe mention it now, because I think it has a lot to do with this question. In the Gemara, it says that the first question that's going to be asked of a person when when he gets to the Bezen Shalmailah, Nosato Nosato Be'amuna. Did you, how were you, how Ehrlich were you in your business practices? That's important, and I I can't tell you how important it is. You all know. But I would have expected that the first question that should be asked of a person, because that's really the tachlis of why a person is here, is, did you believe in the Rabbani Shalom? Were you a maimon? Did you believe in the Rabbi That's the Aleph. Why the first question that you're asked is Nosata Nosata Be'amuna instead of, you know, the Ramban says that you walk into a door and, and, and you look at the mezuzah and it reminds you that there's a ribbon kololomim. Uh, you achieve the tachlis of why the Rabbi created you, to know a Rabbi So, that's the first question, Nosata Nosata Be'amuna. And I think that the answer to that question is, it is. The first question is, did you believe in the Rabbani Shalom? Did you really believe? You know, it's easy, you can put a, a, a sign on the, on the bus stops and it says, I believe. You know, it's very easy to believe. Very easy to believe. Did you really believe? And the way where do you show that you really believe? If you believe that the Rabbani Shalom is a mashgiach, and what's coming to you is yours, and what's coming to me is mine, and I shouldn't, and I don't live in a way that my business practices, they're devious, and, and they're not straight, which means I'm trying to get something that really doesn't come to me, and doesn't belong to me. And that means, if I didn't do that, then I'm a maimon. But if I, that's the way I lived, I tried to get, you know, everything I can get from somebody and not get in trouble. That means, you know, I'm not the ultimate, I'm not the true maimon. And, and that is the first question. I, I just would like to say that, you know, we, we live in a world that there's an employee and there's an employer and you know the employer has his dinam but as an employee I have my dinam if the if the boss makes life a little difficult for me and look I work for him that's what he's expecting he's expecting of me and I have to sometimes learn to live with difficulties. 
And if it, if it makes life impossible, it's one thing. You know, you look for another job. But, and you don't take another, you don't quit your job before you have another job. You know, you have a family to take care of. You, you just don't do that. I can't take it anymore. You know, rough it and tough it a little. You're supposed to do that. And you have to learn to do that. But what I am saying is that an employee has to know there are things sometimes that he has to do that he's not comfortable with. And he has to do that. Should I, the employer, treat my employees like that? Should, should I be kinder to them and not you know, bother them with every question at nighttime where this way the fellow just can't uh, deal with his family and, 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 and children the way he should and be able to learn or so because he's always on call you, you can't, it's not a right way to treat an employee. An employee. But I, I, I'm just saying, if I'm an employee, then I have to know that there are times that I have to do things that are uncomfortable, and, 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 and I have to do it. Uh, I work for somebody else, and if I work for somebody else, uh, you know, I, I have to do that. Fine, thank you. Thank you very much again. There's Mincha in five minutes in, in this room. And we very much appreciate the rub.